Welcome to Mom Chats with Karen and Susie. We are two moms who enjoy heart-to-heart conversations about life. We chat about everything from parenting to education to our dreams and even to our soul journey. Join us as we explore these topics and more on Mom Mom Chats. Hello and welcome to Mom Chats. I'm Susie. And I'm Karen. And welcome to our episode on stress and anxiety. Um, This is a topic that's very uh, close to me. I definitely have experienced a lot of stress and anxiety in my life to the point where I was actually diagnosed with anxiety disorder. I've been working on strategies, you know, since my teens on how to manage stress in my life and how to deal with types of anxiety. I feel like I've come a long way. And actually, Karen, you've helped me a lot. And I think that today what I would like to dedicate this episode to is to help other people who might be in the same boat as me and maybe in earlier stages and kind of talk about what has worked for me. And you can also share your insights because I know you have a lot to share in this topic. Wonderful. Thank you, Susie. Probably want to add that I think there's a certain level of degree of anxiety that in, exists within us all. And anxiety can look like many different things. Even some of the most confident people might be ways to mask or underlying anxiety too. And I think it's um, a great topic to open up a discussion, especially during this time where we all have felt anxiety or stress uh, at some point is such a universal experience. So let's just dive in and explore it and, um, and talk about it. I, I definitely agree that um, stress and anxiety has been a big part of this COVID pandemic uh, because it has resulted in us having uh, a loss of control. And, and sometimes what I realized about my own anxiety was that it was really much rooted in a sense of wanting to be in control and not having control over certain things. And that's what creates the stress and that's what creates the anxiety. And I think during a pandemic, when we do lose control and we realize that we're just humans on this earth, you know, we don't have as much control as we thought we did. Um, that creates stress and anxiety uh, because we, we feel that need to be in control. So I came across this um, excellent article and it's written by a gentleman by the name of Dr. Russ Harris. And he's the author of a book called The Happiness Trap. And he came out with this uh, practical steps for responding to this pandemic um, using the principles of acceptance and commitment therapy. And he came up with this acronym and the acronym is amazing. I love it because it's easy to remember. And the concepts within each of the letters of the acronym have really worked for me in helping to relieve my own stress and anxiety over the years. And so the acronym is FACE, F-A-C-E, and COVID, C-O-V-I-D. And each of those letters in that acronym will stand for something. So let me just start out by saying what they stand for. So the F stands for focus, focus on what's in your control. And the point here is that usually stress and anxiety result from not having control. And so when you are able to focus on what is in your control, your stress and anxiety reduces. What, what do you have control over is basically the question. 
And in my experience, what you do have control over is your own actions and your own behavior. Your external circumstances, even your emotions, you don't have control over those. You feel them as you feel them. But your actions and how you respond or behave to any specific circumstance, that is what you do have control over. And if you can focus on that, you can go a long way. I was in a training session where she was talking about stress and anxiety. And she said, um, become a warrior instead of a worrier. And that really, really hit home for me because I can consider myself, you know, and anybody who has anxiety will tell you that we are worriers. We worry a lot. Um, we worry about things that we can't control. And uh, if you just change that one letter in worrier to warrior, you can start to see that you do have some level of control, especially as it comes to how you view things and how you see things and your reactions to things. I don't know why I'm getting this image of nature. Okay. Showing up. And I think, you know, when we walk through the woods and we feel peaceful, right? And I think that peacefulness comes from nature demonstrating to us when we just allow whatever uh, way things turn out, it's not like the, the, the flowers have to be a certain way or the trees have to be a certain way in a certain order in a certain color, right? It's, it's just natural. That's why we call it nature. And so it, it gives us a sense of peacefulness when we're walking through the woods, when it's so random and just allowing. Whereas our human nature is when we start to sort and want things in a certain way, right? That, that control of wanting a certain outcome or a certain way of appearance or a certain way we do things, it's almost against what the natural laws are, which the natural laws are nature is like just allow anything to happen as they may. And so the more we try to control things, the more it's against our natural nature, which may contribute to our own internal stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, nature almost is our, uh, a, a great teacher for us, but human beings like to compartmentalize or, or want everything to be predictable and manageable in certain ways. I love that analogy because when you said that, I automatically thought about how perfect nature is on its own. As you said, like there, there's a lot to be said for the just letting things be and trusting. I think that there's a big word there is trust that things are the way they're supposed to be. And that although we can influence things, we're better off to allow things to be the way they are rather than make them the way we want them. Love that. Love that. I think is it, it's surrendering and trusting of whatever is arising, that it's all led, led by, I'm going to use the word love again, it's all led by love, that it would all work out in its own way. We just might not be able to see it at that time, right? But often in retrospect or a higher view of everything, it's like, oh, oh I understand why it's had to happen that way, but we can't see it in the moment. Right. Our vision is very um, short term. Yeah, it's, it's hard sometimes to see that bigger picture of uh, why things are the way they are. Mm. And sometimes hard to understand. Mm. Yeah, I think human beings almost sometimes need that certainty. And when we can't see that outcome or that 
that future. It's again, without, not within our control to know what the future is, right? But we want to know, and, and that's what causes that internal dilemma uh, it causes that internal strife that happens because we want that certainty. But we don't live in a natural world of certainty or a certain way of order. It's, a, it's just random and beautiful in its own way, the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Just like nature. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a guide for us to, to look to nature to see how everything just fits together so perfectly and everything works together in its own way and corrects itself um, in the end for good. It's definitely, I, I love that analogy. Um, so let's move to the next letter. And I think that leads to, um, you know, if you can focus on what's in your control, the next step is to A, acknowledge your thoughts and feelings. So I acknowledge that I do feel stressed. I acknowledge that I feel the need to control and by acknowledging that and by being aware of those thoughts and feelings, that's the first step to overcoming them or, or minimizing the negative aspects of those thoughts and feelings. Mm. You, you always used to say to me, be curious. I'll never forget, you know, when I, the first time I came to see you, I think one of the first things you always said was be curious. That's, I think, what acknowledging your thoughts and feelings is just be curious about what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Mm. As we uh, uh, are curious about it and then acknowledge it and curious and acknowledge, then we never shut ourselves off or shut ourselves down. Don't want to do is shut down our thoughts or shut down our feelings because then we start to gravitate towards the other way where we suppress those thoughts and feelings, right? Or And, and then we practice in behaviors where we want to avoid or we um, move towards other activities so that we don't have to think about it. And so there's certain dangers in that too, but just to acknowledge whatever is showing up and being curious about that, that just, it's freeing. Just allow it, name it, befriend it. Right, and no judgment, right? They're just feelings and everybody has the right to feel their feelings, I think. And sometimes, I think even with children, sometimes we, we say, oh, don't cry about this or don't feel sad. Our feelings are our feelings. We have a right to feel them. We have a right to be sad. We have a right to be, even be angry sometimes. So just feel your feelings, don't judge them. Why do we always just strive for happiness? Why do we don't strive for sadness or strive for anger? Why do we just select that one emotion that we all need to strive for? Like, where did that come from? Because if you mm -hmm. look at nature, we don't say, okay, only a daisy is allowed to be here. If you're a rose, you're not allowed to be here. <laughs> you're allowed to be here. <laughs> you're allowed to grow, but an oak tree, you're gone, right? But us as human beings, we're kind of working against our nature of striving for just a certain you know, state and that's happiness. That's not, that's not natural. And then I was wondering, why, why does that happen? And I think there's these intergenerational patterns of how we deal with the emotions that naturally come up. If we were ever told, oh, stop crying, which I think is a common expression in schooling and at home, stop crying. Right away, you have learned, stop crying. Like, don't cry. Crying is not, not supposed to be here. Like, so now we have to unlearn what we have learned. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting point, actually. I I love what you said, like striving for sadness, you know, why happiness? And I think it's because like when we tell like someone to stop crying, I think it's because we ourselves are distressed through empathy when we see other people going through something difficult and we want to put a stop to it um, because we feel uncomfortable with it. And sometimes it's a matter of we need to be comfortable with other people having negative emotions as much as ourselves having negative emotions. Mm -hmm. Because that's, I think, where that comes from is just that our own feeling of discomfort when we see someone else having discomfort. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to that whole idea that we're good people. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want anyone to be sad. (laughs) Also, noticing that we're uh, uncomfortable with somebody else's Uh, discomfort so there's a certain um, judgment that we're placing on our own feelings towards somebody else's feelings whereas what what if we were just uncomfortable with somebody else's discomfort like it's the labeling of what we're noticing right discomfort is just discomfort it's the the judgment of the discomfort that discomfort is not desirable that's the judgment that we have just naturally attached to what we notice that arises right what if the discomfort was was okay to feel discomfort what if it was okay to feel angry right let's it's it's all the different labeling and judgments and interpretations of what uh, we allow or don't allow more of or less of that i think causes us to um uh, feel stress more and more and move us away from peace we don't allow everything. We definitely don't. There's a lot of conditioning that happens uh, in human nature. So it's reconditioning ourselves to allow, to surrender to our feelings again, not just surrendering to, you know, back to the first one, the F where we're surrendering to things out of control, out of our control, but the A, surrendering to our thoughts and feelings and just letting them be and accepting that they are part of who we are and that it's okay to have them. It's okay for other people to have them um, and we shouldn't be making judgment. So that brings us to the next letter. Uh, The letter C stands for come back into your body. And what that really means is to connect back with your physical body. Because a lot of times when you're feeling stress and anxiety, I can speak for myself, it's almost out of body experience. You're feeling yourself coming out of your body and your thoughts race and you're not really present in what's happening right now your your thoughts are everywhere else except right now I think the whole idea of come back into your physical body is just noticing yourself and when you can train your brain to notice and be aware of what your body is doing uh, it's it's very therapeutic You, you really can start to feel understand what's happening to you even though you might be saying okay my heart is racing right now or I feel my face being flushed Uh, whatever symptoms you might be having from that stress or anxiety coming into your body and noticing what's happening in your body too uh, physically is important I think to overcoming it and not letting yourself get to a point where you're outside of your body Mm. I love that is it when you talked about that it reminds me of like it's like using our body as a grounding mechanism because our, all of our feelings and emotions, they're, they're like emotions is like energy that's in motion, right? So 
it's all this energy that's moving everywhere and, and it can you know move outside our body and, and it becomes this visceral almost air-like qualities so to bring that emotion back into that physical body it's almost like uh it has a like more like a rock feeling it it, it, it just grounds it all the energy back in and then when you talked about then you're using your body to notice the sensations like your flushing or your heart rate right when you're th- when you're thinking you're training your body uh, training your mind to notice those things that your heart rate is going up or that your palms are a little sweaty when you train your mind to notice that then all of a sudden the mind is not focused on what you're ruminating about right your mind is not thinking about all those things <clears throat> or all the things that could happen in the future your mind is focused on something that's happening right now which just stops the the mind from wandering all over the place because the mind has no no sense of past present or future yeah i can i can relate to that i can relate to a point where the mind almost can be tricked into thinking that something um, is happening which isn't really happening anybody who's anxious can definitely agree with that because your mind just kind of takes over to a point where you're not really in the moment anymore. You're Mm -hmm. somewhere else. Um, And that actually brings me to the E, the next letter in face, which is E, uh, which is engage in what you're doing. And that's exactly what you're talking about is coming back to this moment in time and what's happening to your physical body, but also just engaging in whatever it is that you are doing in that moment. Um, I, we, I have something I like to teach the kids, actually, and I use it myself, too, is uh, whenever I feel myself in a state of being anxious or stressed, I start to notice things according to my senses. So I'll play a little game, and you can teach this to kids, too. Um, so notice five things you see. So you just look around the room and pick out five things you see. And then notice four things you hear. So what sounds do you hear? Um, notice three things you feel like when I say feel I mean like touch notice two things you smell that's a fun one and then notice one thing you taste when you go through those things you're starting to again bring yourself back to the present moment and really noticing everything with all your five senses and once you can get to that state and your mind is refocused back on what's happening right now like you said all those other ruminations or thoughts in your mind that were causing the stress and anxiety kind of dissipate. They just kind of go away. Mm, that's great. It's such a fun activity for the children. And also it's useful for us as adults to, to, to break that mind from wandering all over, right? And focusing back on using our five senses to get back to being present. Mm-hmm. And giving full attention. I think so many times we're not present um, in the specific moment. We are, our minds, you know, our bodies are in this moment, but our minds are in another moment. They're in the moment five minutes from now or five minutes ago. And so hard sometimes just to be in this moment right now and give full 100% attention to this moment as it, as it moves forward. I think when you can get to a point where you are in the moment, you realize that there's nothing, there's nothing that can harm you. Like, it's almost like there's safety and security and a sense of peace and even joy in the present moment, which doesn't exist 
when you're thinking about the past and future. Mm, I love that. Nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> and thank goodness that the mind is attached to a body because I almost imagine like the body, the, the mind being like a helium balloon is <laughs> 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 floating away. <laughs> and thank goodness that the helium balloon of our mind is tied to a boulder or a rock, right? To, to jerk it back into uh, reality yeah. and, um, and the safety of the moment. That imagery is so good. I keep thinking now this body is being the grounding force. Like your body is the grounding force that keeps you grounded in the moment of now. And, and the, because like you said, your body can't be somewhere else. It can't be five minutes from now and it can't be five minutes ago. It is now, it can only be now. And it's the mind that wanders between all these time continuums, right? And your mind, when it comes back to and connects with the body in the moment, it's a beautiful feeling. Do you ever wonder why our creator created us with a body? <laughs> what if we were just soul and mind? What if there was no body? What if this whole world, this whole physical world, there was no physical part of living to ground everything so that we can experience the beauty and the richness of the now? I think the, the body is what makes us human. The body is the thing that really defines us as human beings. Yes, we have a mind, we have a soul, but we'll have a mind and soul, I think, beyond our human existence. But the body is what makes us the human existence. Love that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Like, I think we have a mind and, and uh, soul in the afterlife, but life right now. The only thing that's different is our body. It's our physical body. So let's use it more to, to have this um, great experience and this gift of life that we've been given that we might not really treasure this gift without being present. So use our body to be present. Mm -hmm. Love it. So let's move to the next letter, which is the next word in the acronym COVID. The letter C stands for committed action. So what this is all about is uh, about taking action and doing things that truly matter to you. And this is a lot about self-love and self-care. So what can you do to take care of yourself? Um, what can you do to help someone else? Because helping someone else also helps you, helps to your own state of mind. And what meaningful activities can you engage in? What can you do just for you because you're special? And you deserve it. And what it comes down to is just do it. Just do those things. Don't make excuses. Do those things that make you feel loved, that, you know, that self-love. What you would do for your best friend, do it for yourself. And I think this is a really important one, especially those of us that have this propensity to have more the pleaser part of ourselves that we want to please everybody else and want to do for everybody else, but we forget ourselves in that process. And so I think when we're pleasing, pleasing, that energy is gifted to somebody else, but then we're drained inside. It's very hard when we're exhausted, right? And um, so tired and no energy because we've given it all away. Mm -hmm. Saving a little bit of that energy for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
the next letter there then is O for opening up. And this is all about uh, making room for difficult feelings. And it's something we have already kind of talked about, but practicing that self-kindness, that self-compassion and treating yourself the way you would treat your own best friend who's going through a crisis. So that, that whole idea of examining your own feelings. And I think we've talked a lot about it, but it's just about opening up to yourself, understanding yourself, being aware of yourself, who you are, and being kind to that wonderful person. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that why do we not open up uh, or why do we only open up to certain feelings, but not others? It's that act of opening. And maybe it's that fear of judgment uh, from others or from ourselves that we've conditioned, we've been conditioned to accept certain feelings more so than others. But I can tell you in the intensive care unit where I see a patient there, the authentic feelings all come out. So that's when you see no conditioning, uh, all the feelings come out. And those who have learned to uh, suppress it the whole time, that's when they release the most, right? A lot of feelings come out. So it's better to release and open the feelings all along the way, because that's part of the human experience too. Yeah, I'm thinking about that intensive care experience. That must be pretty amazing to watch somebody like end of life. No more restraint, right? Everything is just revealed and... Um, well, although some, some still hold things back, but they can hold things back in fear still, or they, they just say their last things that they need to say. It's very raw and real. That sounds very beautiful, actually. Mm -hmm. It is. Okay. Okay, so the next letter was V, values. And this is all about what are your core values? Uh, again, when you're going through uh, and experiencing a difficult situation where you might be stressed or anxious, just identifying for yourself, what are your core values? What's important to you? Um, what sort of person not only do you want to be, but who, who are you? What, what, what values are important to you? Things like, you know, could be honesty or um, loyalty, whatever it is that's important to you that might have triggered you in some way and how you respond to that with your, based on your values. So if you're having a situation that causes you stress or anxiety, the way you respond in that situation uh, in alignment with your core values and who you are. So if you can keep that in mind as you're going through this, I think it's helpful. Sometimes I think the stronger that value is, the stronger our emotion towards it. So I think like the strength of anger or the strength of exhilaration point to the same core value, right? Exhilaration is that, that whatever that core value is, is being honored or is being demonstrated or felt. And so we, we respond to that with that exhilaration or joy. But if it's denied us or stomped on or deprived of us, we can, we can also react to that too, which is like the anger. So it's kind of using our emotions as clues as to what is the value that it's being pointed towards. I agree with you 100% on that, because usually the things that you would be, that would cause you the most anger or, or um, disappointment are the things that you value the most. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, when we were saying a lot of times as parents, we might shut down our children's feelings, like stop crying 
or you know stop being mad but i think it's using that opportunity as as moms when our parent when our children are having these strong emotional reactions is to help them to figure out what is so important what are their values right to like sit down with them hold them and help them explore the moment and help them to tease out what what was so important about whatever it is that happened that meant a lot to that little that little person right so that they understand themselves too so it's a great uh, teaching opportunity both at home and at school yes i agree with that and yeah i think that's a great strategy for identifying core values for mm-hmm. sure and then once you know what your core values are the other side of that is that um, especially in times of crisis to be mindful of those core values because sometimes in in those crisis situations you forget about your values mm-hmm. and you might be acting against your own values so it's just about being mindful of what they are what figuring them out what they are and being mindful of them so that you can bring them into every situation and think about them even in times of distress or discomfort mm-hmm. okay so the letter i for identify resources is all about um, knowing where to go to get help. So obviously, if you're in a situation of stress or anxiety, you don't want to necessarily deal with it all on your own. It's always great to have help or advice from others, whether it be a friend, family member, co-worker, or even, you know, searching out resources online that, that can help you. So I think Identifying resources is an important part of this. Once you realize that maybe you do need a little bit of help, that you seek it out and find it so that you can learn because we're here to learn. <laughs> I think also the, the uh, willingness or ability to ask for help. It's interesting to me sometimes when people think of asking for help that it represents that they're weak, whereas asking for help signals a strength that you're honoring yourself to, to ask for help. So it really is kind of a courageous act uh, and, and you're doing it in your own honor, in the honor of yourself, that you matter. I agree with that. I think the most courageous thing you can do is ask for help because uh, it requires you to admit to yourself that you, you need help and that takes a lot of courage. Uh, a lot of times we're afraid, there's fear associated with asking for help. Um, the last letter there, face COVID is the D for disinfect and distance. And this is just in relation to the pandemic, um, all about, you know, disinfecting, washing your hands, physical distancing, following protocols and all of that as a strategy to relieve your own stress and anxiety. If you do have stress and anxiety around being sick, then you can follow protocols and you know that you have have some level of control in your behavior and in what you do. Yes. Never discount the, the uh, public health measures of keeping us safe and not just keeping ourselves safe, but keeping those all around us safe too. It's an act of kindness. Yes. <laughs> so do you want to talk maybe about like, so we can end off this episode. Uh, we're finished the uh, face COVID acronym, but do you maybe want to talk about some stress management strategies or techniques that you would recommend? Sure. I think for me, uh, that what I do to maintain um, inner peace is quietness. 
like when there's too much noise, whether it's in the car, like I'll listen to the radio for a bit, but I don't need to listen to for it for a whole hour as I'm driving to work because it's just triggering that fear-based muscle within me. Like when you hear story after story after story, right? It's almost like it's there. It's the radio's way of catching your attention just to shock you a little bit, right? It's like fear-based news cells. So, but the, the consequence of it is that instills so much fear, then we start to see this world from a fearful lens and we start to think a lot more fearful thoughts than what it actually is. So I think keeping, uh, minimizing our exposure to fear. Um, and for me, it's like, I listen to radio a little bit, but not that much, just enough to know. And I figure if the news is really that important, somehow it will find me because people will be talking about it and people will say, oh, Karen, did you hear? As opposed to me seeking the news, the news will seek me. Uh, if it's really that big enough. Uh, so I totally agree with that. <laughs> I don't listen to the news. And one of the worst things that happened during the pandemic was I started listening to the news because I was at home okay. during that time when we were all shut down. And I remember thinking, I've never heard so much news in my life. And I don't think it's helped me in any way at all, other than to make me more fearful. Yeah. So uh, I am totally of the, the opinion that, yeah, the less news, the better for me. Yes. I think some can argue that, well, then Karen, then you don't know what's going on. Sometimes less is more, just like in a house renovation, less is more in a mind, less is more too. And then I can have more room to fill it with other things like curiosity, right? Like creation. I fill it with other thoughts as opposed to always these fearful thoughts. And mm -hmm. I still seem to know what's going on somehow, you know, through hearing other people's conversations. You, it's not that you're completely naive. It's just that you choose to, or I choose to select how much I let in. Um, it's selective. I love that. I love yeah. that word. Definitely selective hearing. I, I choose what I want to come in and some things I don't want. That's right. That's right. Um, um, other stressors is like music, plants, soulful conversations, walks in the outside. Yeah, more the solitude, the, the quietness, nature. Those are the things that have really helped me to stay in peace. For me, um, definitely nature. I love walks in nature. I love being outdoors. Like you said, it's just peaceful. Um, so it definitely helps me to feel that sense of peace uh, and to forget about everything else and just be with one with nature is one of my favorite things to do. And deep breathing for me helped a lot when I do get into those situations uh, where <clears throat> my thoughts are taking control. Deep breathing is just another way to come back to your body. It's a way to trick your body into thinking you are safe, you are calm. Um, because when you're deep, breathing deeply, your heart rate naturally comes down. So that was something that definitely helped me and work with me. Being imperfect was a huge thing for me, was just learning how much I wanted things to be perfect. And when I allowed myself to be imperfect, to allow myself to make mistakes, was liberating. Like, wow, a lot of stress disappears when you just allow yourself to, it's okay to make a mistake. Just mm. own it. That's amazing. 
that's really amazing. It's, it's, it's um, so true, I think, for us that are high achievers or perfectionists, right? We want a certain um, outcome, right? And, and life doesn't go like that. And, and so I think I, I felt that too, the more I let go of the neatness of my house. Um, so yeah, I still like it tidy to a way, but I don't have to be perfect either about it. You know, I, I really, uh, something that really calms me down is seeing neatness. Like when I see that my house is neat and tidy, it makes me feel calm. And when I see sort of disorder and messiness, yeah. it kind of causes like my my feelings to just be in disarray a little bit. Like I feel like a little bit out of sorts. Yeah. Strange yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. My natural nature is neat as well too. And minimal, like less stuff. But it wasn't as particular as I was before in the perfectionism of it. Like if I saw footprints on a carpet, I'd have to take out the carpet, the carpet, the vacuum and, and vacuum it up. So I let go of that really, really high neatness and tidiness to what is acceptable, neat and tidy to me. Yeah, when it's too much disarray, then it, it becomes uh, uneasy and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. yeah, and some people can don't person. doesn't bother them. Yeah, <laughs> some people can just live like that. But uh, it's not me. Yeah, not me. You know, one of the other things that really, really helped me over the years is being grateful or learning the art of gratitude. I really believe it's an art to be grateful and to think things to think grateful thoughts, even in times of uh, the hardest time to be grateful is when you're going through something difficult. And when you want to say, why me or why is this happening? To be grateful in that moment, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And but it helps. It helps a lot. Yeah, it does. It uh, focuses on what you have. And um, as opposed to what is missing, what is available to you and has always been available. And I think for me, it's um, my connection to the spiritual has been really freeing and for me that I know that I'm part of a, a bigger thing than just what is um, uh, happening now. So it just feels like we're, I'm part of something bigger and that existence is a, a loving one. So if a human can't provide it, the spirit will always provide. So that has been helpful. I have to agree with that. And I actually want to end on this note is that I think one of the other things that I haven't mentioned through all of this is that having a very strong spiritual connection or uh, spirituality helps a lot to manage stress and anxiety. Um, because I, I really believe that if you do have that belief or a strong spiritual belief or connection, uh, it does help to know that you are loved, you are cared for, you are secure, and everything will turn out for good. Thanks for tuning into Mom Chats. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date with our latest episodes. This podcast has been sponsored by Alpha's Discovery Kids, inspiring our future leaders through curiosity, inquiry, and discovery. And 
of Karen Suaquan Coaching, enfolding your soul's gift to give. Thanks for listening.